0: step for man, one giant leap for mankind, said Neil Armstrong in the mission of Apollo 11. With taking the first steps in the moon, he opened a whole new chapter about discovering one of the biggest unknowns. It was the first time that humans walked another world, and Armstrong became the first human being to walk on the surface of a world beyond Earth. Thanks to the visionary plan that Apollo astronauts completed successfully, which is to bring samples of the lunar surface material, known as regolith, back to Earth where they could be studied with state-of-the-art equipment and saved for future research. Today we are witnessing some promising researchers. After 50 years of this world changing, event, 3 of those samples have been used to successfully grow plants, scientists didn't have any expectations while starting to research. The aim was to see if it could be used to grow food by the next generations of moon explorers, the research could also have implications for plants growing in harsh conditions on earth. This results stunned them. Holy cow, plants actually grow in the lunar stuff? Are you kidding me? Said Robert Farrell of the University of Florida's Institute of Food and Agriculture Sciences. There were both good and bad news of the research. Good news was the seeds grew, but after the first week the lunar soil stressed the plants so much that they grew slowly. Most of the plants that were ditched stay small or not fully developed. Exposure to radiation and solar winds seems to affect the plants badly. The soil collected by the Apollo 11 mission was the least helpful for growth. It was exposed a couple billion years longer to the elements, the scientist said. Simon Gilroy of the University of Wisconsin-Madison was not a part of the study. He said, this is a big step forward to know that you can grow plants. Gilroy added, the real next step the go and do it on the surface of the moon. A gram of regolith was used to grow the Arabidopsis the press release said. With the appropriate conditions and daily nutrients, the plants was ready to sprout. After two days, they started to sprout, Paul said. According to the NASA press release, everything sprouted. I can tell you how astonished we were. Every plant whether in a lunar sample or in control, look the same up until about day 6. The Florida scientists hope to reuse their lunar cell later this year, planting more tail crests before possibly moving on to water. another plant.
1: Making advanced electronics with H2O Water is a secret ingredient in a simple way to create key components for solar cells, X-ray detectors and other optoelectronic devices. The next generation of photovoltaic semiconductors and less could be made using perovskites, an exciting and versatile nanomaterial with a crystal structure. Perovskites have already shown similar efficiency to silicon, are cheaper to make and feature a band bandgap, meaning the energy they can absorb, reflect or conduct can be changed to suit different purposes. Generally, during the process of creating perovskites, water is kept as far away as possible. Pros guides for scientific research are often made via spin coating in a sealed environment of a nitrogen glow box, because the presence of moisture can lead to defects in the materials, causing them to fall apart more quickly when they are being used in a device. Now, however, members of ARC Center of Excellence in Exciton Science have found a simple way to control the growth of phase-pure perovskite crystals by harnessing water as a positive factor. This liquid-based mechanism works at room temperature, so the approach remains cost-effective. The team that is led by researchers at Monash University funded by changing the ratio of water solvent during the early stages of process, they could choose to grow different type of perovskite crystals with structures to suit various purposes by carefully tuning the concentration of water in the precursor solution we realize the precise control of particular perovskite phases corresponding author dr wenshin mao of monash university said computational and thermodynamic analysis conducted by colleagues at the University of Sydney identified that the coordination of lead and bromide ions in the precursor solution was an important factor in determining which types of crystals are formed. Lead author Ching Dong Lin, who is a PhD student at Monash University, said we now understand the international mechanics and function of water inside the precursor solution. By doing that, we can further use water to control the crystallization process. Crystals produced via this approach were coupled with back-contact electrodes through nanofabrication to create X-ray detection devices so that the quality of the end product could be determined. This test sample performed at a similar level to commercial X-ray detectors currently being used in real-world settings like medical imaging and Geiger counters and out-performed prototype proskite X-ray detectors developed using slower, more complicated fabrication methods. We compared them with commercial X-ray detectors as well as other types of ProSky's and we do have a very good responsibility and sensitivity to X-rays. Overall, this project shows that we have found a smart way to control inorganic sky single crystals. The methodology is flexible and feasible and doesn't require a very unique environment or technique to apply its set As well as solar cells, X-ray detectors and LEDs, pro created with this method could also be useful in UV light detection, lasers New and micro-device products.
2: injects a boost to IVF success, the University of Adelaide. ICSI is a long and demanding operation that includes injecting a single sperm into an egg for fertilization. A research team led by the University of Adelaide has developed a group-breaking new macro device in collaboration with medical technology company Fertilis to streamline the sole reproductive therapy method available for males with low sperm counts. The first of its kind gadget will enable more IVF facilities to offer interstablosmic sperm injections, ICSI, as a treatment. As well as improve various IVF processes like embryo culture, embryo cryopreservation, and vitro maturation. ICSI is a long and demanding operation that includes injecting a single sperm into an egg for fertilization. Only trained embryologists can do. This new device, which is about the size of the pinhead. Retains up to 10 eggs in separate places for faster injection, making it easier for embryologists to track and avoid mistakes. The device, according to lead research, Dr. Kylie Dunning of the University of Adelaide's Robinson Research Institute, will cut treatment time in half, require less training for embryologists, and use less expensive equipment than current ICSI treatment, making the pursuit procedure more accessible to more patients. Disco- the discovery of this novel creative strategy is a significant step forward for families who wish to start a family but have been unable to do so due to male infertility," stated Dr. V- Dhanning. By removing the need for the pipette that normally holds the unfertilized egg in posi- position during ICSI, this device simplifies the injection process, reduces the ban- Dependency on a high level of technical experience and will dramatically improve embryo production. This discovery removes significant barriers to treatment for people with in- infertility and will improve IVF success. Device inventor and fertilist co-founder Professor Jamie Thompson said his company is excited to bring the breakthrough device to market. Where IVF science has excelled, technology has tended to stand. Stage eight until now, Professor Thompson said. ICSI hasn't changed since its discovery 30 years ago. Continued innovation in the IVF lab like this in the only way we will boost success and reduce the financial and emotional burden for patients. In 2022, the gadget will be put to global clinical testing. Without the backing of the Australian researcher. Research Council and the Hospital Research Foundation Group. This cutting edge development would not have been feasible. Dr. Dunning's research to improve IVF success wrote, has been supported by the Hospital Research Foundation Group for the past three years. According to Paul Flynn, Chief Executive Officer, this device is set to be a game changer for thousands of helpful. Parents who need to rely on ICSC. Collision of celestial bodies. A gland cloud of debris formed by the collision of
3: celestial bodies was detected using the recently retired Spitzer Space Telescope. With these collisions between rock fragments, planets can form constrain that the planets in the solar system, including the Earth, were formed in this way. It can be said that this event confirms the theories about the formation of the solar system. Although this was observation, gives us a lot of information the size of the colliding objects, is still unknown. However, such a collision still brings with it many answering questions. As for how astronomers noticed this collision, a team led by Kate Zhu was tracking a 10 million year old star. After predicting a bump that might have occurred around the star, they used the Spitzer Space Telescope to find traces of the bump. One of these biggest reasons they made this prediction was because particles from this cloud of debris slightly blocked the starlight. In addition, this observation, combined with information on the size and brightness of the star in question, allows research to directly determine the size of the cloud shortly after the collision, estimate the size of the colliding objects, and monitor the rate at which the cloud disperses. While reaching new answers in the things that have been found and discovered recently, there are also new questions. The James Webb Space Telescope, which was launched into space in the past months, also promises a lot of answers, but
4: we will learn about them in the coming days. We will talk about Anaxel Morris. She was born in 1900 in Omaha, Nebraska. She had always been fascinated with the past and desired to study ancient cultures from the time she was six years old. That interest of her led her to archaeology in the 1920s. It was a golden age for archaeology back then. Unfortunately, women were understated and unwelcomed in the field regardless of her education. In 1922, she received her bachelor's degree from Smith College. Not long after graduation, she went to France and trained professionally doing field work in prehistoric archaeology. In 1923, she married Hesed Morris, who was also an archaeologist known for his work in the American Southwest, and Mexico, who is renowned to have helped it inspire the character of Indian Jones. Despite being an archaeologist on her own, Anne would often portrayed herself as an archaeologist's wife. In excavation in Canyon de Chile in Arizona, Aztec ruins in New Mexico, and Mesa World in Colorado, she documented ancient petroglyphs, cave painting, and wall art in watercolors. At Maya ruins in Chichen Itza in Mexico. Maurice excavated she worked with man despite being hired to act as a nanny and chaperone for the children on site. And she contributed to a growing understanding of the lives and culture of ancient Native Americans and indigenous Mexicans whose complex sociologies had been overlooked. Although she had her accomplishments, her work was often with boring papers. Even though, she authored two books about archaeology most of the time she would work without pay and passed over opportunities that were instead over her husband. Later in life, she struggled with some healthy issues and died in 1945 at the age of 45. After her death, her legacy grew in recent years. She is created with helping open the file to other women and inspiring generation of readers with a great passion for archaeology. A new fish species. A new fish
5: species has been discovered living in the Amazon jungle. The discovery of these fish is a little different than usual. With the deforestation of the Amazon, these miniature fish species that swim up to the Brazil are also in danger of extinction. The reason they are in this danger is for the same reason that they swam to Brazil. The scientists who discovered the fish say that they encountered great chaos when they went to the place they came from. Scientists who found the forest in the region where the fish live on fire say that the only place where the fish can live is at Amazon coast. Their descendants are endangered when they have to leave this region. One of the fish is small enough to be considered miniature while the other appears to have red-orange fins. These fins, which are one of the unique wonders of nature, are also in danger because of humans. As the scientists who discovered fish say, discovering a new species of fish is extraordinary, but seeing them disappear should be a warning to us that people should be aware of this issue. Today, the ever-increasing population brings along irregular settlement. It also travelized residential areas. There is no limit to the trees we destroy to build new buildings, and the creatures we take from their homes. Maybe you think we need these buildings. You are right, we need these. But do we have to destroy the other living things' houses in order to build a house? Can't we find solutions instead of demolishing it this way? Even if we can't find a solution, can't we just try? Perhaps we are destroying many living things before we even discover them. Can't we save them instead of destroying them next time? We must learn to share with them what is theirs. This world exists for all of us. Why do we have to make things worse when the extinction of even a single being is disrupting the order? Can't we just live with them and live our future?